Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up and welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online. My name is Sam, Sam Dracula, if you want to get formal with it. And today I have a guest, Sam Hurley, coordinator of digital content for the Charlotte Hornets. will be talking Hornets basketball with me, with y'all, technically, because you guys are listening, which I appreciate. Thank you for that. Um, in a little bit here, we're going to talk about the Hornets, you know, obviously. We're going to be talking about the offseason. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, the Terry Rozier extension, Brago extension, all the happenings inside and outside the team. And it's something I'm very excited about because, you know, it's September now and next season is going to be here before you know it. It may feel like it's far away, but it really isn't that far away you know preseason starts next month and we're gonna be off to the races not too long afterwards speaking of time it's really wild how fast time flies because Kemba Walker was a part of this franchise up until the summer of 2019 right sign in trade for Terry Rozier fast forward to September 2021 and the only player left on the roster that played with Kemba Walker is Miles Bridges. Cody gone. Biz gone. You know, it's wild. Devontae gone. Malik gone. It's crazy. It's crazy how time flies and how this roster has evolved in that time. No disrespect to anybody that left the squad by any means, you know, especially like no hard feelings towards any of them. But this team, this franchise has gone through a serious transformation, one that hopefully can lead to some wins. It may be a playoff berth. It may be a playoff run. I don't want to be too greedy, you know? <laughs> I'll take a six seed. Give me one of them. One six seed for me, please. Sam and I are going to get into all of that here shortly. I got to give a shout out to Jason from Uber Eats. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for listening. It means the world to me. Jason delivered my food the other day. You're the man. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. And on my end, I gave you all the positive ratings I could possibly give you on the app. Thank you. Also, like legitimately, too. You follow the directions. Not a lot of drivers follow the directions. So thank you for that also. But also, more importantly, thank you for supporting this podcast. It means the world to me. It's that time of year again. I know this is a Hornets podcast, but football is coming back. It's coming home. Kind of. Not really. That's the English thing. It's not, you know what I mean? If you know, you know. What I'm saying is teams are going back to the gridiron to start the football season here shortly. So as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. 100%. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet 
on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose that wager, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. NFL100. All one word, no spaces. All right. NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Hey, Sam, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you jumping on with me. Um, it's always great to have another Sam on the podcast. So now nah, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. We just have our radio broadcaster. I'm sure you know Sam Farber. We yeah. actually sit our desks are right next to each other in the office, so that's brought another element of confusion. And then I'm getting used to it. I say so this is not too much of an out of body experience having a different name, similar Sams to to talk Hornets with for sure. Yeah. So, um, like personally, how's your how's your off season going? Um, is there an off season for on the, in the digital content world with the Hornets? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly an offseason. I would say this one is a little bit more normal than last year. I mm-hmm. think it's just a little shortened because the season ended. I guess the way you could look at it is the season ended a month later than it was supposed to in a normal. So usually end about mid-April if you don't make the playoffs. It ended about mid-May. Um, draft process or draft time frame, frame, I guess, was about the same. Um, and then Summer League, too. It's really just kind of like this time period between the end of summer league and the start of training camp is about six weeks. And normally it's maybe eight or 10. You'd usually have half of July, August and September. So uh, staying busy, obviously it's been a very busy summer for the Hornets. I do a lot of content for the, our NBA 2K league team as well. So that's kind of kept me busy throughout the summer and then just draft stuff, summer league. So um, it's kind of crazy to think that it's already September yeah. uh, and then next month, next calendar month will be back in the regular season. So it's exciting and, crazy all at the same time yeah i'm very much looking forward to it you know after after like the uh the excitement from last year and then what happened this off season which we'll cover in a second but like um the draft to acquisitions like a lot was a lot of stuff going on with the hornet so really eager to see how these all these new pieces fit in with everything else and also how the young core continues to develop like Looking at Miles Bridges specifically, I think he's kind of the poster child for for that. Um, looking at how he developed year year over year after year, and I look at PJ, hoping to follow that same kind of trajectory. What do you make of Miles Bridges' growth and development, not only as like an on the court performer, but as a leader amongst the locker room? I mean, he's been tremendous. You know, he's been here three years now, and he's come into two really different eras, and he's kind of his role has changed so much. I think you look at this. You know, this past season where um, he started the year before at three and then obviously bringing in Gordon Hayward and Miles moves to a bench spot and then they find something as him as a small ball four and even probably a small ball five at times. I and mean, he's just become this really I mean, the growth that he's made just comes down to his versatility. He's just able to do so much more on the court now, play different positions. Uh, I think the biggest thing I saw from him this season was the um, scoring off the dribble and shooting off the dribble. I mean, just stuff, step back, creating shots in isolation. Um, and that's just helped open up his game so much more at the rim. You know, he's not just this guy that is crashing the boards and dunking. I mean, he does that, which clearly saw it. But mm-hmm. um, he just has been able to do so much more 
on a consistent basis. And I think that's just really, really helped this team. Um, he, he really took advantage. I, I would say he really, really stepped up in Gordon Hayward's absence um, through the last six weeks of the season or so. So um, it's awesome. It's awesome to see this progression. You see a guy that came in the league, very obviously very athletic, but very raw and you know, still had a lot to learn and to see him kind of get to this point has been has been really cool and a true testament to the developmental program uh, that the Hornets have instilled here the last three years. Yeah. And, you know, um, I don't wish for the arena to be empty again by any mm-hmm. means. But one of the small positives of that was being able to hear the guys talk like through mm-hmm. the broadcast and you could hear bridges like when during live ball, dead ball situations, you know, trying to get something going when things weren't going. And I was like, oh man, like Miles is growing up in front of us here. And for him, so I was at the game, the Raptors game. Um, so like this, the second game technically with fans back in, like we mm-hmm. had the first one with um, frontline workers and then the, was it 5,000? I forget. That, that Raptors yeah, game. Yeah, something when, like that. But yeah, that was the first one with, uh, that opened it up to, you know, the general public, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bridges was on the, the house mic, welcoming, mm-hmm. welcoming the fans back. I'm like, wow. like. He's really like taking advantage of the situation in the in the best possible way. So I'm very excited about year four of Miles, and I'm really glad that the rest of the NBA is taking notice. Yeah, I think the leadership element is a big thing. It's kind of crazy when you look at the roster. I think he is now the longest tenured player on the Hornets yeah. in terms of in terms of you know, and that was summer of 2018. So mm-hmm. that's got to say something. You know, he's he's been with. Um, James Borrego in this, I guess you could say, front office personnel since the beginning. And he's, you know, this is a guy, you know, if you come into this organization and you're looking to say, you know, I want to get better, look at what Miles Bridges is doing. Look how much better Miles Bridges has gotten in three years since you're, that's how you do it. You buy into the system, you take on whatever role, you know, it's not easy to guy that gets a starting position in the NBA and then goes back to the bench. I mean, Mm -hmm. but you find ways to contribute and you when you get an opportunity like he did last year you take advantage and you knock it out of the park and he did it and i think not only i think he's become a more vocal leader like you've that you mentioned but just leading by example i mean he's a guy that this is what happens when you work hard and you put in the hours this is the this is what can happen and miles is a perfect example of you know that process and so i look at i look at pj i know they're very like i don't like put players up against each other or like mm-hmm. say you need to be like this guy but i would hope very similar selections in the draft, um, pretty similar like kind of like physical makeup. I hope to see the same kind of development out of PJ. What do you expect to see from PJ in entering his third year in the league now? Because he's a very similar situation where he kind of throw, was thrown into the mix early, um, which was great because he got a lot of run with solid shooting ability year two. A- asked to do a little more offensively, play a different position. And one thing he said, which I really loved, was like talking about year one and year two for PJ was uh, he said that he considered himself like a power forward his whole life. And then after being asked to play in multiple positions, he now considers himself a basketball player. And I love that mentality. Like whatever you're asked to do, you go out there and do it to the best of your ability. So what do you expect from PJ um, in his uh, third year in the league? Well, I expect him to kind of keep getting better and keep growing. And I think there's a lot of parallels between Miles and PJ. Um, at least in, if you just look at their whole basketball careers, yeah. they both are very highly regarded products. They both went to blue blood programs in Michigan State and Kentucky. Um, they both probably could have been first round picks if they had left after their freshman year, but they both went back a second year um, and got a lot better and obviously ended up right around, you said, 11th, 12th spot in the, in the lottery. So, um, And I think kind of last year, I think you, the same 
questions people were asking about PJ maybe this year. They were asking about Miles last year. What's his role going to be? What, you know, what kind of player is he? What's his strength? Things like that. And it kind of goes back to consistency a little bit. I think that's kind of the biggest thing for PJ. I think James Borrego's kind of pinpoint. It's just being consistent, just coming in, you know, and I think PJ made big strides. And I'll factor this into something that Miles didn't have to go through that PJ did necessarily is this crazy amount of time off between his um, rookie season and second season because that is a huge growth time period for NBA players. It's it's where they make a lot of strides between that first and second season. And, you know, they were able to get in the gym last summer, but not to a real normal extent. So um, I think, you know, PJ is in a very similar situation where he's starting to figure out that he can do a lot of different things. I think his defense took a big step forward last year, um, using him as a small ball five more, um, which I think they did a lot quicker than I think they anticipated with Cody Zeller uh, breaking his hand on opening night. I think they kind of forced PJ into that role a little quicker. Um, but I, I, I see a lot of parallels, and I think PJ is going to make a big jump this year because you can start to see, you know, he's definitely obviously very talented. He's got the three-point shooting, um, which you've seen a lot, you know, real good above-average stretch for potential. It's just kind of figuring out more and more things he can do that's going to impact the team. And just it all comes back to consistency. It's not a problem that's unique to him. A lot of young NBA players, particularly ones that are still kind of developing over this sort of weird stretch of the NBA with the COVID and pandemic and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, I think he's going to make a big jump this year. There's every indication that once you're in the system, guys get better. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a jump similar to what Miles made this past season. Yeah. And, you know, I say all that to point out that that like the Hornets have that history, a recent history of like developing these guys year over year. And when you look at LaMelo Ball, who had an outstanding rookie of the year, he was rookie of the year, outstanding, mm-hmm. uh, outstanding rookie year, excuse me, and um, came rookie of the year. And so the idea of him continuing to get better and improving um, his phys- like his body, which he talked about. Um, getting healthy, improving his shooting on top of, like, it, his shooting's already pretty good already. And so, like, the idea of this, this kid can continue to get better and better and having that young core of drafted players to round out this franchise or build out, like, to, as a foundation to build out this franchise, something that is really exciting to see as, as their games improve individually and as they get more comfortable with each other as a collective. Yeah, I think LaMelo, I mean talk about a weird situation, you know, just what he came in, yeah. all the rookies in that matter for the class, but he hadn't played a game. I think his final game in Illawarra was maybe like November, 2019. And then he didn't play uh, until that first preseason game in, in December against Toronto. And um, I think there's so little time in between the draft and that first game, there really wasn't a whole lot of time to do fix the shot mechanics or fix this or fix that or really kind of do a complete overhaul that you would maybe do with a normal draft prospect when you have more time to really kind of break things down. It was basically, you know, crash course, go out there and let's just see what you can do. And you see how gifted and talented and capable he is as a basketball player just on raw ability alone. I mean, so much of what he was doing this year was just raw ability, raw talent, just instincts that are unteachable. And, um, that guys are just gifted with. I mean, that's the best way to just gifted instincts. Um, so I think this year, now that you've got a full off season for the most part, and it's somewhat mm-hmm. more normal circumstances, you can see a little bit more of the developmental, just kind of sharpening some of the edges a little bit, smoothing things out. Um, you know, obviously getting healthy is a big thing, which I don't think there's any sort of long-term right. yeah. issues with the wrist. Um, 
But I think the thing that James Morego has kind of pinpointed this year for him is managing games and not, I think game managers in the sense of like, I think people hear that term and you think it's kind of a quarterback in the NFL that you put out there and don't, don't just don't do too much. But I think with him, it's just kind of running and operating an offense, knowing the right plays, knowing when to drive, knowing when to kick, knowing when to shoot, draw fouls, knowing when to gamble on defense sometimes um, make defensive plays. So I think you're going to see big, I think he's going to have a much more polished game this year. I think you're going to still see a lot of that fun excitement, the passing, the shooting, things like that. But he's got, you know, he's got a lot of more talent around him, which I'm sure we'll get to. But yep. I think that'll be the biggest thing is you're just going to see a much more, you know, controlling an offense and really kind of, um, I liken it to sort of like you see guys playing chess. It's like seeing the moves, um, you know, a couple moves ahead. He's, he's very fun to watch. He's very, very fun to watch. And obviously he's a tremendous, tremendous talent. The Hornets are lucky to have right now. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about the young core first because I want to pair that up against Borrego, Coach James Borrego's contract extension because there's that consistency for those players as well. They know what system they'll be playing in. They'll know the coaching staff. Like, they're not rocking the boat there. And you can continue, everyone can continue getting better together. And then you sprinkle in the very good veterans they've added in Terry Rozier or like over the course of the stretch here, Hayward, uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. Like what the what this franchise is doing as a whole is fantastic. This seems to be like a real definitive plan year yeah. to year each offseason. And I think they're nailing across the board. But going back to Borrego, um, what do you think? Am I, and it is, please stop me if I'm like overstating yeah. like that piece of, a, I think James Borrego is a fantastic head coach, and I, I'm glad he's sticking around, and I hope he doesn't leave. So I'm glad that he's sticking around for that in that reason, for like in that respect, but also for the players' aspect where they can have that consistency there, and they know who like what they need to do on a day-to-day basis and get to learn from the same guy that they've been learning from. Yeah, that's a huge factor is consistency, and you look at his. Uh, JB's three years here. They're, the first one and the last two have been very, very different. The first year, you've got a veteran, vet, team full of veterans that's vying to get a playoff spot. You've got Kimball Walker, Nick Toom, yeah. Marvin, MKG, Cody. Uh, I think Biz was back on the team at that point. Um, Tony Parker. I mean, the yeah. whole team was just full of veterans. And then after one year, you know, the offseason two years ago, it's like pretty much everybody leaves and you're sort of starting over a little bit with a lot of young players. So the way he was able to kind of shift and pivot from what he signed up for or what he got, I guess, the first year, what he did, and then to kind of pivot to a really developmental year. And, you know, the 2019-20 season was tough. I mean, you had a lot of guys that had not played heavy NBA rotation. Yeah. But, and I think it was really challenging because he didn't get to see the year through. I mean, it finally felt like the team was finding its stride. And then the season got canceled, didn't get to go to the NBA bubble. Um, things like that. So there's sort of feeling of incompleteness, but you really saw guys get better as the season transpired. You saw, you know, Devontae Graham made a yep. huge leap that year. You saw Terry make a big leap from what kind of the expectations were based on what he did in Boston. I mean, they were beating teams like Miami. They were, you know, going head to head with the Nuggets and the Spurs and beating the Rockets and, and you know, going toe to toe with the Bucks those last couple weeks before the, the pandemic hit. So, um, and then you come into this year or this past season, you know, obviously got a huge break in the lottery. I mean, you got very, very lucky in that. Um, and then ended up with the rookie of the year. And then you got a guy like Gordon Hayward that, you know, is a free agent. This says, I want to come to Charlotte. I want to play in the system. I want to play for this coach and with these players. 
Um, I mean, that stuff doesn't happen by accident. It's not just random. I mean, they come here because they, they, they like the, they love the organization. They see you guys get better. They see something special brewing. And then you saw it this past offseason. Same thing. Kelly Oubre is another very, I guess we could consider prominent free agent. Yep, definitely. I love the core here. I want to be a part of it. Ish Smith, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Ish Smith saying, you know, we played the Hornets last year. They were so hard to guard okay. and they played the kind of style of basketball that I want to play. Um, and Mason too, who I know it wasn't a free agent, but seems very excited to be here. So guys are excited to be here and you got rookies that are excited to be here. And that's what you want. And you want talented players that want to be here because the more, you know, it sounds very straightforward. The more talented players you have, the better your team is going to be. And right now it feels like the Hornets are just really, really doing a good job of adding talent this last um, two years. I mean, look back two years ago, how far yep. just, you know, where the roster is in two years. I and mean, that, again, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because there's a plan and a structure and great people here. So um, definitely very exciting times. And so um, you mentioned Terry, big news from him he's sticking around he's going into this final year of his contract so i'm glad that's not floating like out there in the universe and he's gonna be sticking around um what does terry bring to this franchise and especially to the like on court but as well as the off court like i say that because in his like uh post season like interview (laughs) you could see it on his face um, the weight of that Pacers game, that playing game, and how it went, and how he was eager to make sure that doesn't happen again. I had no idea he was hurt, by the way. Like, he had a, yeah. he had a, a cast on his wrist. I had no idea he was playing through an injury, which, you know, just speaks to his toughness in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, Terry Rozier, as, the, um, as one of the key veterans on this team as one of, and one of the best players on this team, what's it mean that he's sticking around? Well, go back to the question you said, just like 30 seconds ago, what does he bring to your team? And I think the straightforward answer is everything you could want. Yeah. Everything you want from a basketball player, Terry Rozier can provide. I mean, he's a 20-point-per-game scorer. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot three-pointers in the league. Fierce competitor, great leader. Is getting better in his six or seven season now. It's like continuing to get better. That was the big knock on him coming here is this guy is a below-average career, you know, is a – this 39% shooter in his career and not a very good three-point shooter, at least statistically. Mm-hmm. And the last two years has been right around 40%. Um, guy that wants the ball when the game's on the line. You saw that so many times last year. Great clutch performer, great leader, very competitive. Just, again, same things about Miles. Just this is the guy, if you're a rookie coming into this, if you're James Booknight or Scotty Lewis, one of these guards, or even LaMelo Ball, look at what Terry Rogier is doing. Look how he continues to get better. Look how he carries himself. Look how he does the little things. Um, look how important winning and succeeding is to him. Have that mentality. I mean, I think it's another guy that just leads by example, you know, and, and vocally too as well. You know, he's – this is I, – I don't think I – mean, I think the other thing, too, is he just has fallen in love with Charlotte. I think he yeah. loves the fans here. I think he loves the organization. He's been really embraced by the fans. Um, just a true – it was a no-brainer, obviously, to want him to become part of the team for the long term. But the short answer is just everything you could want in a basketball player, Terrier provides it. Just a complete all-around package in on-court, off-the-court. Um, and, I mean, obviously, what a fine – by the Hornets. I know there was kind of some, you know, questions with the, sort of the dynamic and how he came in and wasn't necessarily replacing Kemba, but logistically sort of was because he was part of the sign and trade. And, mm-hmm. you know, he has exceeded 
I think almost everybody's expectations here, and I think he's only going to get better. Oh yeah, I think I think he's destined for the All Star team, if not this year, next year. Like he's, I, I love what I've I've loved what I'm seeing out of Terry, and then I think people are taking notice as well. Um, I want to touch on the rookies before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, James Booknight, Kai Jones, Scotty Lewis, JT Thor, um, incredible wheeling and dealing on draft night um, mm-hmm. by the front office. Um, First off, I just want to get your opinion on Kai Jones, not the player, just as the personality, because mm-hmm. I, I had no idea what to expect from him when he got a microphone in his face, and mm-hmm. I think he's the most endearing player I've ever like heard like heard speak in my life, and it's like a ten year old became an NBA player like in a Disney movie. Like I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I love this kid, and then he gets on the court, he's dunking on everybody. Um, what do you what do you make of this draft class? Kai Jones, James Booknight, JT Thor, and Scotty Lewis coming in, and what they could bring to what's already happening here in Charlotte. Yeah, we'll start with Kai. Um, I think we met him, I guess, originally when he came in one of his draft workouts. And you can kind of tell these guys going to draft workouts, they're a little, um, you know, there's a process in place. They're kind of flying around a lot. You know, you're doing interviews, things like that. It can be a little draining. And then I think it was, it was really awesome to see you know, once he kind of knew where he's going, he's coming to Charlotte in that first press conference, how he just couldn't contain the excitement and the energy and just the, I think the style of play that was here and to know that the Hornets were a team that traded back into the first round to get him, I think speaks a lot, you know, to really want to be wanted is a good feeling and just how excited he was to be playing. um, I think is, you know, what Morgan asked for you want guys that are excited to play and excited to get better. And he's obviously been a lot of fun to watch in summer league. He's doing a little bit of, you know, you can definitely tell there's some really, really high-level athleticism there. Um, obviously, still very raw, but he's a guy that you're going to have a lot of options how to use him. Three to five, um, ball handling, obviously puts great pressure on the rim. He's going to fit in really nicely with guys like Miles, Lamelo. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can picture now all those lobs. Lamelo oh, yeah. is probably just <laughs> in his dreams right now, just throwing those lobs up to Miles and to Kai and things like that. So, um, and then James too. I think James yep. is a guy. I think the Hornets didn't necessarily expect there to be at eleven. Me neither. Um, I was blown. Yeah. I was, he was. I made like I was doing these videos leading up to the draft. It was like, guys, looking at mock drafts and this is the names that could be there. Book Knight was the top of my list, and I was I put him there because like he's not going to be there. But like, you know, I didn't count Cade Cunningham. Right? Like those guys, because mm-hmm. like there's no way they drop. But like, if somehow James Book Knight is there, that'd be an an insane acquisition for the Hornets, and it, and it and it fell perfectly. I was blown away by it. Yeah, and I think it's it, that's a crazy thing sometimes about the lottery. It only takes one or two picks that are a little kind of out of nowhere. Maybe yeah. you know Josh Giddy, exactly. Williams, yeah. some of these guys that like maybe you're kind of penciled in down there, or teams fall in love with ahead of you, and it only takes a couple of them to kind of knock guys down a little bit. And um, again, James, I think tremendous score. I think the thing the Hornets really kind of lacked during those final six weeks last year was scoring in offense and being able to generate points. I mean, the offense just went dry so many, so often that it just put so much strain on the defense. And I think the defense actually held up really well towards the end of last season, but they just had a hard time creating points. We don't have Gordon there. We don't have Lamelo there. Mm-hmm. Miles, Devontae was out for a little bit, Malik too. So um, obviously James is going to, I think, going to thrive here. I think he's going to um, really crafty score. I think that's what kind of stood out to me at Summer League. He's really good at kind of, creating shots in isolation. I think um, now that he's in a system where he's not going to be the number one option, at least right off the bat, he's going to have a lot more talented players around him than he was at UConn. I think he was pretty much the guy getting double teams and 
all the primary defensive attention. So um, I think he's going to really thrive here, just kind of at least initially kind of being one of those primary ball handlers. I mean, I would, coming off the bench, putting up points, you know, I think he's going to have what his role is going to be, at least coming out of the gates. I think he's going to really thrive in it this year. He's obviously tremendously talented, score, very competitive. He plays with an edge. Um, again, he's, I think he's, you know, he's excited to be here. He said very, you know, he seemed to really enjoy his visit here when he worked out pre-drafts and kind of felt like a family, whereas other organizations, it kind of felt like, you know, come on in, work out. Okay. We'll, maybe we'll call you on, on draft night. So, um, and, and then and, the other two, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And with, with James, he looked pissed that he went 11. I like that. Yeah. I like that from him. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. I want, you want guys that come in and play with an edge, and you can definitely tell he's got you know some of that New York City basketball edge. It's obviously a very competitive yeah. uh, scene there, um, and UConn too. I mean, it was a UConn team that did not have a whole lot of NBA talent on it. I mean, I would go as far as to say none, mm-hmm. other outside of him. And he took him, helped lead them to the NCAA tournament this year. And he missed. He must have um, with an elbow injury. Yeah, right? he, had, yeah. he had an elbow injury, and I think someone in his situation with all the uncertainty of COVID and things like that could easily shut it down, say, I'll, you know, but he came back and kind of helped them win a couple few more games in the Big East, got him to the tournament. So I think that speaks a lot about his character, too. I think he's willing. It's you know, his team-first guy. Um, and then the other two guys that drafted, it's obviously it was a very busy draft night. But JT Thor, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about him before he came in. Um, don't watch a whole – tremendous amount of college basketball just because kind of coincides with the NBA season. But I think the sunk out with me with JT is um, obviously got a little bit of a raw deal with um, summer league because he had to wait for that trade to process with Detroit. Um, So only had like one or two practices. didn't play the first game or so, but he looks really comfortable with the ball, like much more comfortable. You can tell he's very, very raw and has a lot of developing to do, particularly from a physical standpoint. But he's got a feel for the game. Like you can just instantly kind of tell there's a feel, there's a comfort level. He can, you can tell he can do a little bit of, you know, playing out of the perimeter, ball handling defense. Um, I think he's a guy that's really, really going to thrive getting big G league minutes. Like, I think that's maybe, I don't think it's too outlandish. He's probably gonna spend a lot of time in Greensboro, but he's a guy that I think the more he plays, the better he's going to get. I think he actually just turned 19 last week. So uh, time is on his side. Um, he's one of the youngest, I think, second or third youngest player in the draft class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wrapping up, Scotty Lewis, I think, is another great addition, too. He's, this is a guy that was, um, I think he was a top 10 high school recruit a couple of yeah. years ago from up in New Jersey and then went to Florida. And I think his role kind of changed a little bit. Um, I think Trey Mann was down there, just got drafted by the Thunder. I think they had another um, couple other kind of NBA caliber guards and um, but di- I like his playmaking a lot. I think he's got great playmaking ability on the offensive and defensive ends. I think you saw that a lot in summer league. I think the biggest thing for him will be getting the jump shot down. I think he's got to become a little bit more of a consistent score. He's obviously got time. He's 20, 21 years old, but you know, you can definitely see the potential there. And again, as a two way contract, he'll be spending a lot of time in Greensboro, but clearly got talent. I mean, he wasn't top 10 player in the nation for nothing, um, two years ago. So I overall, I think it was a great draft ball i know we spoke at length about all of them but i think it's mm-hmm. you walk away and you say we got guys that you look in summer league they all showcased something really really encouraging a skill set or an ability that you can look at and say okay that's something we can build on that's a starting point you know ball handling rebounding physicality we've got a starting point here so and i think there's gonna be a plan in place i mean i know there will be a plan in place for all of them so i'm excited to see you know 
how they can contribute NBA level, G League level right off the bat. Yeah, I the the season, well preseason can't come soon enough. The actual season can't come soon enough. I'm I'm so excited to see what all these guys can do. Uh, whether they were here last year or they just got here, it it's a, it's going to be an exciting time. The East, are the you know the top three teams in the East are in their own world. The Hornets mm-hmm. and the others are kind of in the same kind of boat. I think it's going to be competitive to get into that in that uh, play-in mm-hmm. or playoff scenario. But I'm here for it. I think the Hornets have a great shot of being a six seed uh, if everything yeah. goes well, especially considering how how well they played last year before everybody got hurt. But I'm I'm gas. I hope everyone out there is, is excited about this as well because this is a great time to be a Hornets fan. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can kind of feel it. You definitely felt it last year. It was weird the first half of the season not having fans. Um, but you could kind of feel it, at least on digital and social, people getting excited. And, and you know, obviously LaMelo played a big part of that. Gordon winning games and just having it's, – it's, you know, com- kind of comparing. I think when you had those teams that were full of veterans, and they were great. I mean, great guys, you know, Kemba, Jeremy, Marvin, and all of them. But you kind of felt like there was – you know, maybe an expiration date on it. You felt like you only had a few number of years to kind of get this right. Whereas right now it feels like you've got so much young talent and you see guys like Miles, like PJ. Um, I'll throw Devontae Graham in there as well because he's, I know he's now with New Orleans, but was, I mean, he went from not playing mm-hmm. to being one of the best three-point shooters in the league is in two years. So um, I think you can kind of feel that, you know, the sky's kind of the limit. You see guys getting better, you see guys progressing. You see them progressing under James Borrego's system. And I think it's cool for the fans, too. You know, I think it's kind of being in a small market. Um, there's not a whole lot of national recognition here. You don't get a lot of people talking about the Hornets um, from a national perspective, per se. You don't get a lot of national TV games. Um, this year, I think they have eight counting yeah. NBA TV. You've got people on national podcasts and ESPN talking about the Hornets. And that's a cool feeling. I think it's a really cool feeling for the fans here because I think when you hear people outside of your market and your city talking about, hey, I got to catch the Hornets on League Pass tonight. They're playing the Thunder. You know, five years ago, people aren't tuning in to watch Hornets Thunder on League Pass if they're a fan of another team. But now, sort of, I think that excitement, even from outside of Charlotte, kind of makes the people that are here, you get a little bit more prideful about the team saying, you know, just kind of seeing everything, being the team that people are wanting to watch more, I think is a really cool feeling. I think you felt that um, when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl in 2015 too, you felt it a little bit too. You had Cam. I mean, there's, um, you know, fingers crossed we have a season as successful as that. Um, Mm -hmm. At least from a regular season standpoint, we'll talk about the Super Bowl. But um, I think, and again, you factor in that just weren't as many tickets last year in seating. I think think the arena and Spectrum Center is going to be really, really fun this year. I think it's going to be a really, really exciting, fun year. Hopefully a lot of winning um, definitely a lot of highlights, uh, a, lot, a lot of dunking, a lot of lobs. I think that's kind of guaranteed. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's as exciting time as I can remember um, for the Hornets in quite some time. That's for sure. Almost definitely. Uh, Sam, I appreciate you hopping on with me. Uh, is there anything yeah. else you'd like to mention before we uh, say goodbye? Um, no. I mean, I like I said, it's kind of the off season right now. If you want to follow me on Twitter at, at Sam underscore Pearly, I mostly just kind of – tweet out Hornet stuff and articles and weird numbers and stats and kind of a stats nerd a little bit self-admitted. So yeah. fun facts and things like that. But uh, like I said, I'm, I'm super excited for the season. I'm glad you're excited for the season. I think a lot of fans are excited for the season. I think excitement is the word I'm going to overuse way too much in the next 
eight weeks, whatever it is. But um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I love talking Hornets, and uh, it's gonna be a really fun year. Really, really excited. So, um, you know, I hope everybody's ready because it's uh, it's gonna be a good time. Thank you to Sam. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week. Peace. Perfect. Perfect. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube